Now last week we started over into Daniel and these three Hebrew boys. We're continuing on with that. Um, I'd indicated we're going to look at the fourth man. We will. I don't think we'll get to the fourth man uh, this morning. But I want to speak on faith tried with fire. And 1 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> and we're going to read together from verse 3. If you can stand with me this morning. <clears throat> and then we're going to read it audibly together. Praise the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. Amen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, Yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed, that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Father, this morning, we just ask for your Spirit the Holy Ghost, to be sent down from heaven. Lord, to give us ears to hear and the ability to bring forth Your Word that You would desire to speak to every heart in this room. Lord, we thank You for the day in which we are in. We thank You that we have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. We recognize that You're shaking the nations of the earth, that You're sifting the church of Jesus Christ. Lord, that you're bringing forth a people to the praise and the glory and the honor of Jesus at his appearing. So, Lord, we come with our limited understanding, even in our weaknesses and our frailty. But, Lord, we thank you that there is a God in heaven who is on the throne. And, Lord, we ask for your help this morning. Lord, illuminate the page. Open our understanding. Give us spiritual insight. Give us eyes that can see and ears that can hear. Ears, that ear of the heart. O oh God, that hears your voice, Lord. Let every other voice be silent, but let the voice that wakes the dead, let him speak. Let God be God, and let every man be a liar. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me take your seat this morning. I want to share with you a faith tried with fire. And we are living, I know that we preach around this area often because I believe that the message has to be relevant to the day in which we're living in. We have to be relevant. We have to have 
the Word of the Lord for the hour that we have come to. We need to speak uh, into the circumstances from God's Word where we actually are in the time and the end of the age that we've come to. And so it's important that we are ready for the day which we're living in, that we're prepared, uh, as it were, for the days that we have now entered into. We're not waiting for them to come. We have, we have entered into these last days. We know that. We are sure of that from God's Word. And we sense it also in our spirits. We see the change that has taken place. The Bible tells us that Israel are an example to us and that we are to look to them often. And often we look at the negative, that they hardened their hearts, they provoked the Lord, they were stiff-necked, they wouldn't enter into what God had for them. But also, through all of that, there was always a people that were full of faith, that loved the Lord, that had courage, that stood in the times of great danger, the times of great darkness. There were people There was a Daniel, there was Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, there was a Joshua, there was a Caleb, there was a Moses, there there were a people that stood, there were Deborahs, there were judges that stood up and were raised up, there were prophets, God's people that stood in the days of often backsliddenness and often in despair, but God always had a people and I want us to focus on the faith of those people, that remnant through the age that stood, refused to bow, took courage, had faith and manifested above everything else that they loved the Lord God of Israel. That's why they loved the Lord. That's why they stood. It wasn't because they were great. It wasn't because they were strong. It wasn't because they were mighty. It was because they had a love for the Lord. They loved the Lord God of Israel. That's why they stood. They were weak in themselves. They were frail. They weren't superhuman or mighty men. We read from the Scripture that they were men and women just like you of like passions. But one thing they had was wasn't necessarily a great intellect. Wasn't necessarily they had all of the, the end times together. You know what they had? They loved God. They loved Jesus more than anything else. And because of that love for the Lord, that's why they would stand. If you go back over into Daniel chapter 3, and as we looked at it last week, that those Hebrew children that were brought into that kingdom in that captivity of that time. In Daniel chapter 3, we are familiar with these men that are mentioned. I don't believe they were the only ones, but there was the Daniels, there was the Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and God had greatly used these men in that Babylonian kingdom. They were, as we looked last week, greatly gifted, talented. They, They had understanding. They had understanding and interpretation of dreams and different things and in science and They actually were used in that kingdom, even though that was not their world. They were used in that kingdom to enhance, at that time, that Babylonian kingdom. But then a change would come, a change that we are now witnessing, that we are living. It is a tangible change. We have seen the change. We are seeing the change, and it's going to continue. In Daniel 3 and verse 19, we read of these Hebrew children that would not bow. And the change then came to their circumstances. It says in verse 19, Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Do you see what took place? Once these young men refused to bow in the midst of that world that they were living in, once they seen that the, the contradiction of the laws of that land was going to contravene to the laws that they were governed by as the children of God, 
They simply said, we'll not bow to your gods. We'll not bow to your system. We'll not bow to your things. And when that was heard, it tells us, look at it again. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. It enraged. It enraged Nebuchadnezzar. He was full of fury. And then it says the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. The very visage of Nebuchadnezzar changed against these men that would not buy into that system. And so the hour has come, and I believe all through history there are times that we can look at in Scripture that critical hours come in the people of faith. I'm just thankful for this one thing. Every time that I read of these critical hours, God has never failed His people. Not once in all of the crisis and all of the critical hours of history of the people of faith has God ever failed His people. What that gives me hope with, not only do I know it from God's Word, but He's not going to fail His people in this day. God will be with His church and will build His church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The Bible says, if you turn over to John 17, John 17 and verse 15, this great prayer of the Lord for the church. He's praying for the people of God. He says these words, I pray that thou shouldest, that thou shouldest take them. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. John 17, 15. But thou should keepest them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. The world of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was about to change. Brothers and sisters, I know I've said it often and maybe said nearly every week, and you might be a little familiar with the saying, when our world is changing, our world is changing and it's going to continue to change. I don't say that for us to be afraid. We have nothing to fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear but a power and of love and of a sound mind. We do not fear. I want to encourage you, saint, the weakest of saints, if you feel that in your heart, you have nothing to fear. But this world is changing, and it is changing rapidly. I want to tell you for sure that God is in control. I want, the, I want you to know it's so important in the changing world. All around us, we see the change that has taken place. But the Lord is in control. He is a sovereign God. He is above all kingdoms and He is above all thrones. He said in Isaiah 46 and verse 9, He said, I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like Me. Declaring the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. He said, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it, and I will do it, saith the Lord. I want to let you know this morning that everything of what's happening can only happen by the sovereign purpose of an almighty God that sits on the throne this morning, and His name is Jesus. He is in control. We must know that and all the change and decay that's around us, thy changest not, thy compassions, they feel not. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. He is on the throne this morning. Nothing of what you see 
is happening without God permitting it. Nothing, nothing of what you see happening is not happening without God permitting it to happen. Change is taking place and is taking place rapidly. This is nothing new to the people of faith. You go back to Exodus chapter 1 and verse 6, Exodus chapter 1, I want to show you another change just like in Babylon. Here it's in Egypt. Exodus chapter 1, it tells us these words in verse 6. And Joseph died, and all his brethren, and all that generation. It says then in verse 7, And the children of Israel were fruitful. They increased abundantly. They multiplied. They waxed exceeding mighty. And the land was filled with them. And then verse 8 says these words, Now there arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. There's change. That's what you see. You see change. You turn to verse 12 there that says these words, As they grew and multiplied with this new king, they set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built Pharaoh's cities. But the more they afflicted him, the more they grew and the more they multiplied. You see what's happening? There's a change in Egypt. There's a new king on the throne. I believe we're about to witness a great change even in our nation. We pray for our queen, but I believe that her days are numbered. And with her passing from this scene of time, that we are going to see a great change. That is no coincidence. It's not an accident. God has appointed the death of every man. It is appointed on the man once to die, and after this, the judgment. And there will be a great change in our nation as she is taken from the throne and another will occupy her throne. That will be significant for our land, for our nation. We'll have seen someone who has overseen so many things over many decades, but when she goes, there'll be a change. There's going to be a change. You can sense the change already. God help us if the next one gets in, but we need to pray for him anyway. If it's going to be Charlie boy, we need to pray. We do need to pray. God help us. But the nation gets what it deserves. And so there's a death and there's a change. And in the midst of that, in verse 23 of chapter 2, Exodus 2, 23, it just simply says there's an unfolding purpose of God and it came to pass in the process of time the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of their bondage. And they cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of their bondage. You know, I just love this. And God heard their groaning. You know, there's a groan in our spirits when we see the change. Sometimes we can't convey it all. We can't put it all in the words. Whether you see something on, on the internet or you hear something on the radio or you see something on a piece of paper or a newspaper or whatever or some headline. And you can't necessarily express it, but there's a groan in your spirit. Or just something within you goes, God, what is happening? You know, God hears that groan. We may not convey it in the words. We may not put it across all collectively and get our grammar together, but He just hears that groan. Oh God, Lord, help this world. We're witnessing a dramatic change just like the children of Israel, just like the children in Babylon. Laws are going to be passed very soon. More laws 
are going to be passed very soon to contradict everything of God's Word. And then it comes to a time where our faith is going to be tried. I believe it's already begun. Our faith is being tried. Fire tries the faith. Fire and intensity of heat. We read of the Chaldeans. We looked at it last week, how they conspired against these Hebrew children, this remnant, as it were, in Babylon, that they would not bow to the God that had been raised up. It wasn't just about bowing. It was that they wanted them to worship this image. Do you know, worship is not something that we do after two fast songs. We know that anyway. Worship is what we are. We're worshipers. We worship the God of heaven and spirit and in truth. We've been created as worshipers. Our very being, we are worshipers. We should always be worshipers. It's not that I do this on a Sunday morning and our, 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 those that lead us know this so well. It is what we are as a people. God is looking worshipers that will worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so the enemy wanted the worship. He wanted those people to worship Him. He wants your worship. And I shall worship the Lord thy God and Him alone. These were men that simply said, listen, Nebuchadnezzar, we have been a blessing to your kingdom. We have brought our gifts and our talents and our inspiration into your kingdom. But we just want to let you know one thing. You can build your image and you can play your songs but we are not going to buy to your God. We will not buy into its system. Why? Because they were lovers of God. Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. The reason why we're not interested in all of this that's going on is because we love Jesus. It's so simple. It's not anything else. It's not because we have some great divine revelation of anything we just there's someone saved us from a road of destruction and going to hell he's changed our lives completely he's washed us in his precious blood he's given us a hope and a peace and we're going home to glory one day to see him and we love him that's why we're not buying this one thing i know i was once blind but now i see it was simple theology but that world's going to hate that simple theology and even the religious will hate it too Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. And as these laws are going to start coming in thick and fast, more laws are coming. They're directed. They're being birthed. They're being, they're being honed, as it were, as arrows in hell itself to be directed right towards the children of God. Jesus said, if you love me, it'll all be a question of love in the end. You'll keep my commandments. And you might ask, Tim, well, how can I do that? How can I love him? How can I stand and not grieve him? Well, he tells us, if you turn over to John 14 and 15, he tells us clearly how we're going to do this. John 14 and 15, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. And then he says these words in verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Know how we're going to do it, folks? We're going to do it just like they did in the first century. We're going to do it not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. He's not going to leave us abandoned or orphans. He's going to give us the comforter. 
And the Comforter has come. And we'll not stand in our strength. We'll not stand in our greatness. We'll not stand in our intellect. We'll stand in the power of the Holy Ghost. The church of the end age will stand in nothing else but in the power of the Spirit of the living God. He is the Spirit of truth. Truth. Would you say the word truth? Truth. My God, truth. What a day we're in. What an hour we've come to. Truth. It's just good to hear. Truth. God's Word is true. Even the Spirit of truth, whom this world cannot receive, because it sees Him not, neither does it know Him. But you know Him, for He dwelleth with you, and He shall be in you, and I will not leave you comfortless. Jesus says, I will come to you. What a promise. Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and in his fury. If you go back to Daniel chapter 3 this morning, when he heard that there was a remnant of people that would not buy, they would not buy. Daniel chapter 3 verse 13. When he heard that there was a remnant that would not buy into this whole system that he had created, it says in his rage and in his fury, he commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before the king. He commanded that they would be brought before the king. And so he reiterates the law. He says to them, verse 15, Now if you're ready, at the time when you hear the sound, now I want you to just remember that phrase, when you hear the sound, when you hear the sound of the cornet, and the flute, and the harp, and the sackbut, and the psaltery, I have always called it the psaltery for years. And then Nikki's laughing just a few days ago, you called it psaltery, but it's, it's not psaltery, it's psaltery. Because if it was psaltery, then it would be the psalms. <laughs> so, but if I ever say the psaltery, it's just habit. You know what I'm talking about. Praise him on the psaltery. And anyway, so there you go. We're not mighty, we're not great, we're not intellectual. Praise the Lord, but the Lord just uses ordinary, simple people. Amen. You maybe got it all right this morning. You're all looking sin. You got we, I understand that. But it is the sultry and the dulcimer and all kinds of music. When you hear it all. See, when you hear the sound of it all. Can you hear the sound of it? All the different... I often wonder, why did he go through all the different instruments? Why did he not just say, see, when you hear the orchestra, you need to buy. But he went through a whole list. The woodwind, the brass, the strings, the percussion. See, when you hear all the different sounds of that, we want you to fall. And we want you to fall down and worship the image that we have made. And if you will not worship this image and this system, he says there, Ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? What a statement. Who is your God that's going to deliver you? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego answered and said to the king, I don't believe it was flippant. I don't believe it was off the cuff. I don't believe it was the spur of the moment. What are we going to say? because these were men that loved the Lord. They simply said, Now, O Nebuchadnezzar, 
We are not careful to answer you in this matter. Verse 17, If it be so, our God whom we serve, praise the Lord, is able to deliver us. He's able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And He will deliver us out of thine hand, O King. But verse 18 is important. But we want you to know something else. See if it doesn't work out the way we think it should. See if it all doesn't just go as the way we planned or we thought. I want you to know something. Be it known unto thee, O King. Now, we will not serve your gods. And we will not worship the golden image which thou hast set up. I want to ask you this morning, brothers and sisters, have you got in your heart and in your spirit, be it known, O King, have you got by conviction, have you got in your spirit, have you got in your spiritual DNA this morning, be it known, O King, we will not buy. Is there a DNA, is there a spiritual stamp, as it were, on your heart this morning that no matter what happens and the flood of wickedness comes in and the enemy comes in like a flood, is there in your heart this morning just simply a response to all of this? Be it known, O King, praise God, we are not going to buy. You see, we're heading into what we could say is uncharted waters. We have not been this way before. The world is entering into a new age. An age that has seen tremendous change. There is a fury out there against the church of Jesus Christ. There is a rage. There is a rage against those that love Jesus with all of their heart, that are born of the Spirit, that are washed in the blood. There is a fury and a rage against the church of Jesus Christ. That heat is going to increase. We know we're living in tremendous days of change. But there has to be, brothers and sisters, you see, our faith is going to be tried to find out what it is. Sunday morning, ticking the box, it's over. Listen, just putting your hat somewhere on a Sunday and just doing the religious thing, that's all going to be burnt up in this fire. We're going to find out what substance is in us, what faith there is, whether we're born of the Spirit or we're not, whether we're washed in the blood or we're not, whether we're named by the name of Christ or we're not. We're going to enter into an age where we're going to be tried by fire. There is a trial. It's, do you feel the fire? Do you feel the heat of the hour? Nebuchadnezzar is full of fury. What are we witnessing or what are we seeing? You turn to 2 Thessalonians for a moment. And then we're going to go over into Revelation chapter 13. I for one do not claim to know all things concerning the end times. But there are some things I believe that the Lord has just shown a little bit of light on. And it's in that light that I'll walk. And I'm certainly open to discuss those things, to see what other things people can bring concerning the end times. But in 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2, it says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for the day shall not come, except there be a falling away first, 
and that the man of sin would be revealed, the son of perdition. This is known, commonly known as the Antichrist, a future Antichrist that would be manifested or revealed before the coming day of the Lord. His purpose in verse 4 is to oppose and exalt himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. There's that word again, worshipped. So that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now turn over in the Revelation 13 because here is the work and the rise of the Antichrist found in these two beasts. The beast that comes from the sea and the beast that comes from the earth. So remember here in Thessalonians, Paul writes, there'll be a falling away from the faith and then there'll be a revelation of the man of sin before the coming of the day of the Lord. In Revelation chapter 13, you see some... I understand this language is quite dramatic. I know that it can be even fearful to read and even difficult to understand. But I stress again that we have nothing to fear in these days. Nothing to fear. Nothing to fear, brothers and sisters. Revelation 13, the beast that comes out of the sea. And verse 2, this is what it describes. And now this is the rise of the Antichrist. But it says that the beast that came out of the sea was like unto a leopard. First of all, it's speaking of the speed at which he comes. How many people know that things are changing quickly? Isn't that true? The leopard speaks of how quickly the change happens. Friends, it's, it's remarkable. So I'm still standing some days in awe at how quickly things have changed. How the things that we grew up to be, which was good, evil, right and wrong, it was, it was actually simple even in the unsaved context, there was a right, there was a wrong. There was good, there was evil. There was black, there was white. There was, there was bad, there was good. We knew that that was, that was the simplicity of it. But it's changed so rapidly. The speed of the change is seen in the leopard. It happens so quick. It's hard, I know, for, and I'm not in any way, I just, I know it's more difficult for our younger generation who are born into this already. The change has happened. But if we go back, not, not too long ago, really it's not too long ago, it's, it's in this century even going back, that this wasn't the way it was. It's happened in the space of 15, 20 years. In the last five years, it's happened even five. In the last two years, we're, it's like you're on a roller coaster. And I know it's more difficult, but I want you to see what's happening because it's important. I believe that the church needs to be ready. I believe that, that, that the preachers must prepare the bride. I believe that we have a duty to, to sound a, a, a sure sound, a trumpet sound from the pulpits across this land. We need to be ready. The most important thing about the end times is not which part you're into, is are you ready? Are you ready to meet the Lord? And so we see the leopard. The second thing we see, his feet were as the feet of a bear. Not speaking of the strength that it comes with. It's like there is an impossibility to stop the wave of this. You know, everything of what you're seeing, all the, all the goings on, this, this climate stuff, all of it, friends, is all of the same spirit. Oh, he's one of the climate deniers. Yes, I am. And I don't apologize for it. The earth's groaning because the Lord's coming. 
And you can have your council and you can meet in Glasgow and Greta and everyone can turn up and they can all march and the church is part of it and the ecumenical movement is part of it and the nations are part of it and the governments are part of it and the leaders are part of it. It's the Antichrist. And so it's the strength of which is going to come. Let me tell you, friends, they're going to change our lifestyle beyond recognition. This is a land that was built with manufacturing and linen. If you go to Stormont, they have these uh, monuments to what this nation used to be. Shipbuilding, manufacturing, linen. And the last one that was left was agriculture. Brian, Adrian. Mark, all those that are in the farming industry, they're about to change our lifestyle. Friends, the laws that they're going to bring in, it is frightening where we are going. But it's the strength and the power of which it has come. The speed, the power, and then it has a mouth. And maybe you don't need to explain this too much, but it has the mouth of a lion. The devil goes around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. This is the Antichrist, the speed, the power. And they're inspired by the dragon. And who's the dragon? The dragon's the devil. It's an inspired system. It's inspired of hell. It says in verse 9 of the same chapter, it was given unto him to make war with the saints, that is my personal belief. I know others differ, but if there's, if there's a war with the saints, then the saints have to be here. Could I say that again? If, if there's a war, I'm not trying to, I'm just saying, I wasn't funny lately, I was being serious. But if, there is a, if there's going to be a war with the saints, guess where the saints have to be? I'll leave it there then. And there's a war. And his attempt will be to overcome them. Don't misunderstand that to say that the church would be defeated. That's just simply telling us of the flood that's going to come so great. And the power was given unto him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. I can't grasp how quickly everything's come together. Why is everyone buying into this? Why is all the nations buying into it? Why is everyone going crazy that they need to be part of this whole system? Because it's a spiritual warfare. It's not personalities and people. It's principalities and powers. Nations and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship Him whose names are not written in the Lamb Book of Life slain from the foundation of the world. I just thank God this morning my name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. Praise the Lord. I love that song. There's a new name written down the glory and it's mine. And if your name's not there, you're going to worship this. You're going to be sucked into it. You're going to believe the lie because your name's not in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank God. Is your name in the Lamb's Book of Life this morning? Would you say amen? It's great to be saved. Then it says in verse 9, if any man has an ear, what does it say? Let him hear. This is not with these ears. This is with this. In Revelation 13 and verse 11, then we see another beast that comes out of the earth. This is the Antichrist rise. 
It had two horns like a lamb. In other words, it comes across as though, oh, it looks, it looks as though it's your friend. The subtlety, the deception. You know, one of the four things, four times the Lord said in Matthew 24, 25 concerning the end times, be not deceived. Deception. And so this one is like the lamb, but it speaks like the dragon. It exercises all the power of the first beast and causes the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So we see a collaboration, a coming together of all of this system in the very last days. Our day, your day, my day. Verse 14, I want to read it. It says, And they deceived them that dwell on the earth by the means of the miracles which he had the power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, and this is so similar to Daniel, that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or their foreheads, that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the name of his number. Here is the wisdom. Let him that understandeth count the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, and his number is six hundred and three score and six. How close are we? How close are we to this? There was a time very recently that this seemed beyond anything of our comprehension that this could possibly happen. But technology has moved at such a speed and is moving at such a rate that this is now all within the realms of possibility today or tomorrow. In a recent conference of some of the most greatest brains in technology in the world, professors who would uh, predict where we're going with all of this, within a short space of time, a very short space of time, the technology is already there, but within a very short space of time, this is what they're saying, what they have, that you will simply be given uh, a pair of contact lenses and you immediately can blink and go online. It will help you in your education because everything's going to be sold that it's for your benefit. It's to help you. It's to make life easier for you. If you're sick, you'll be able to blink. This is the truth, by the way. And straight away, you'll be able to speak to a robo-doctor that will appear in your eye and you can tell them of your symptoms, how you feel, and immediately wherever you are in the world or whatever language you speak, that doctor will be able to speak to you and say, how are you feeling, Jeff? Sore head? Rough throat? Yes, I can help you with that. And this is all just from the comfort of your seat. We'll make it so much easier for you. It will be the same for law. It will be see the same um, in the technology industry, particularly in the social media that has overtaken most of the world. 
particularly the guy that runs Facebook who is moving into a different realm of artificial intelligence, that everything's going to become virtual reality. This is so difficult for someone like me. I'm just being honest because we said often, but we didn't have mobile phones. In our house in 201 Beaver Drive, we had the dial one, and maybe someone older said we had the, the rope one, but um, we shared a line with the Andersons just around the corner opposite Bran and Isabel, the Andersons, we shared a line, so you had to wait that they're off. Anyone else shared a line? In the odd time, you could just, whoo, <laughs> Mrs. Anderson, whoo. <laughs> One day, I remember, I was only a kid, I was singing in the hallway, I was singing a, a, a loyalist song, and I got so excited, I lifted up the phone, and I sang it down the phone, and she was on the other end. And I'll tell you what I was singing. <laughs> you know what you do when you're 11? You do grow out of it. <laughs> but you had a shared phone. We're about to move into a completely different realm. And it's difficult, but see our kids, they're actually being born into this generation and it's going to be normal to them. So what they want to do is all the post-war generation, that's from about, if you're born in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, I'm not going to be careful this morning, it's my wife's birthday, but if you're born around that time, you see, they want to eliminate you because you're the stumbling block for technology to move. No, my mom, my mom and her pad. How do you get this to work, son? And I'm sitting there beside her going, I don't know. Because <laughs> technology has moved so fast. It's just great to be able to text, isn't it? And my boys laugh at me because if you ever get a thumbs up from me, I do the thumbs up when I'm texting. Let me tell you what they're going to do, what they have done. See your thumbs up, your smile, or your tear. They're able to take your emotion, and they're able to download it through this chip, and they're able to send what you're feeling to your friend or your neighbor who you're speaking to. It will be virtual reality in the workplace, Virtual reality for a doctor. Virtual reality for a bank. That means you don't need the house. Do you see the warm-up? Do you see what lockdown's about? The condition society into submitting to this world. I'm not going to get into the ins and outs of all of the bits and pieces. It's just a system to bring you into submission. Virtual reality for concerts. Virtual reality for visits. Guess what they're going to have next? Virtual reality for church. You don't need the meat. Stay at home. They've been practicing this for years with the God channel. You don't need to leave your living room. You can just tune in somewhere, anywhere in the world, and you can stay in the house, but you don't have to leave the house. You then will get a pair of goggles and then you have a, a wee emoji of who you look like. This is what this fella from Facebook's trying to do. And you'll have a little image of who you are. And they'll have a little hall. But you're sitting in your living room. And the next minute, you'll come bouncing in through the door, maybe a bit like one of those wee characters. And you'll come in and you've come to church. But you haven't come to church. They want to eliminate the gathering of the people of God. 
They want to take away the assembling of yourselves together. They don't want you to meet in like fashion. Why? Because this is the pillar and the ground of truth. This is the place that God dwells. This is God's house. We are the people of God and we meet together in His name. And where the twos or threes are gathered in His name, He's here. So if you're sick, the elders will come and they'll anoint you with oil and pray the prayer of faith. But virtual reality doesn't do that. And the modern contemporary church are going to go for it. They're going to go for it. Why? Because they're only interested in the fact that you give them your pounds or you give them your euros, or you give them your dollars, but we can meet together and we can make this all so pliable. I know it's difficult for even someone like me to say, is this possible? This is upon us! And the church are sleeping! And we think it's not going to happen! And we don't believe that it's the Babylonian system or it's the Antichrist! He's here! He's rising! But the church must waken up! So he says in Daniel 12 and 4, you know, Zoom, Zoom is not church. Live stream is not church. Church is coming together. I see Brent walking through the door on a Sunday morning and I can look at him in the eye and he can say, well, how are you doing? I'm doing, how are you doing? I can speak to Adrian. I can speak to you. I can say, how are you? I can put my arm around you. I can encourage you in the Lord. But Zoom doesn't do that. God takes the solitary, places them in families, and God dwells there. This is unique. Listen, this is unique. The gathering of the people of God is unique. It's not legalism. It's God's purpose for us to meet as the church of the living God. And so we've got so advanced the church has become so caught up in the move. Friends, I'm going to tell you something. Nothing beats coming together as God's people and hearing those songs strike up and hearing Suzanne cry out to the Lord this morning. I tell you what, Zoom can never give you that. But that's where we're going. It's hard. So they want to eliminate the older generation. Listen, they want to eliminate the older generation. They want to take out the old saints that know what it is to get on your knees in a prayer meeting, pray through and touch heaven. They want to take away that old saint that prays, God, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Lord, I thank you that we can go all the way with Jesus and live that life in front of the younger ones and say, listen, this is the way you can walk. The walk of victory. Praise the Lord. But we want to take away that generation. That's what's happening. That's what euthanasia is. No, that's what they're making the laws to be. We'll take out our older people. But listen, as I said last week, which group is next? Zoom and all of this has been a warm-up really for this system that's now upon us. Daniel the prophet says in Daniel 12 and 4, but thou, O Daniel, shut up the world, seal the book, even to the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. It's here. The Bible says, if any man has an ear, 
let him hear. You see, that old king said, Now, if you be ready at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, and the harp, and the sacred, and the psaltery, and the psaltery, and the dulcimer, and all the kinds of music, just fall down and worship the image. See, when you hear all the sound. Friends, I can't put it all together. I honestly tell you, I don't really know all the ins and outs of it. But I can hear all the individual sounds. Do you understand what I'm saying? I can't put it all together. I just know in my spirit, I'm going, this isn't right. I, I just know, I hear the cornet and I see, so they're all going into Glasgow and they're going to save the planet. They're going to save humanity. Really? I thank God this morning. There's only one man's going to save me and his name's Jesus. So I hear the cornet. And I hear that flute. And I hear the softness of that harp and see all of that homosexual world that's rising up. I see all the different sounds. I hear it all. And this is the way it sounds. This is the way it sounds. If you've ever been to the Ulster Orchestra or any orchestra, if you ever go to the concert, you get there in good time. You get your seat. You get your program. And you sit down. And before the concert starts, all the instruments are all in place. And the brass over here, they're playing, but they're all playing individually. They're warming up. And then the strings are here and the violins are going and the, and the cellos are going. Is that the cello? I think it is. And then you've got the woodwind and then you've got the drummers and they're bum, bum, bum. But you put all that, can you hear the sound? It's everyone's playing, but it's not coordinated, but you hear the sound of them. Have you ever heard that sound? It's a very unique sound in a concert hall when they're all warming up together. But then the conductor walks in. They all stop. And they all raise their instruments. And then the music plays. I want to tell you something, friends. I believe that the top is about to happen. And that orchestra is about to play. And I can hear that sound. But I want to tell you something else. I can hear another sound. Can you hear it? Praise the Lord, I thank God for this other sound. You see, we hear the sound of a rushing mighty wind. You see, whatever man does in his advancement, no matter how high he builds his tower, there's a God in heaven that's on the throne. You see, with all their advancement, of all their technology, with all the climate madness, listen, to what the Word of God says. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Can I tell you what, is it COP26? Is that what they call it? This thing in Glasgow? Can I tell you what it is? It's a seductive spirit. I know the world have no idea what I'm to. They would lock me up thinking I've lost my marbles. But friends, it's a, a seductive spirit. 
The Bible says many will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats. Farmers, we want to help you. We have been digging this land, feeding off this land for thousands of years. And these climate people, the Green Party, I want to tell you, friends, I believe in voting. But God help us if you vote for the Green Party. I'm so, I've never really got into the politics of something, but that's a seductive spirit. That's what that is. Abstaining to eat from meats. I tell you, I love a good burger and I'm going to keep eating a good burger. They're going to forbid you to eat meats. I could never have imagined it that day. When's that going to happen? It's happening. Enjoy your sirloin if you can afford it. Friends, this is the day we've come to. Do you know what that is? Don't get caught up in that. Don't get caught up when we're saving the planet. Don't get caught up in that climate nonsense, friends. I want to tell you something. That's the spirit of Antichrist. That's a seductive spirit. Oh, yes, but do you not believe in the science? No. I believe God's Word. The earth is groaning. Because Jesus is coming. I hear believers getting involved in this. I tell you, don't lie across Windmill Street or Main Street trying to save the planet. God help us. There was a vicar lying across, glued himself to the road. This is where we're, this is ridiculous. But you know what's so serious? Because it's doctrines of devils. It's a deductive spirit. They're going to take away everything of your right, control you. And you know how they're going to do it? They're going to tax you. They're going to ban the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ that says, listen to me now, friends, that says that any man or woman in this world is born into sin, whatever that sin may be, can be gloriously and wonderfully born of the Spirit and set free including the sin of homosexuality. The law is coming very soon that if you sit down in private, you counsel someone believing. Many people believe. I'm going to ask you a question. Many people believe if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. Yes. We believe that, don't we? The fire is going to find out if we do. Fire's going to find out if we do. You see, years ago, I've said it often, I've been very skeptical from the very beginning when they said it's law that a church must be registered with the Charity Commission. I was always skeptical, but it never encroached in us in any way to preach the gospel. We preach the gospel. We have six trustees here who are registered as a registered charity here, Brian, Stephen, Brent, David, Elaine, myself, oversee the financial integrity of the work. You register the, the, the church as a charity. 
doesn't encroach in any way on you preaching the gospel. But now, conversion therapy. And if they get their way, here's one of the things. That if you believe what I've just said, that the Charity Commission can remove you, come into this church and this building anyway, and take you from being holding an office of a trustee to the church of Jesus Christ. We're really close. Do you feel the heat? The heat's going to find out really what we are. We have religion in Northern Ireland that would choke you. We have religion up to our necks. And we've had it for years. A lot of it, not the religion part, but there's a lot of great people that preach the gospel. Missions and people that are faithful. But we're about to see a tremendous change. Tremendous. Could I tell you something? I am like you. This is such a blessing. This has overwhelmed us. The goodness of God. But don't hold on to anything too tight. Don't hold on to anything too tight. There's a people in this land, a lot of people have different ideas of what the remnant is or what it looks like. I just want to tell you what it is. There are people who love Jesus as a remnant. They love him with all of their heart. They might be Pentecostal, Baptist, Presbyterian, or other, but they just love the Lord. They love Jesus. He is the center of their joy. He's their everything. He's the reason they live. They're just waiting for him to come. They feel a little bit homesick more and more in this world because this isn't our home. We're in the world, but guess what? We're not off the world, so don't get too comfortable. And are you feeling more uncomfortable in it? Would you say amen if you are? I believe if you're truly walking with the Lord, you'll feel more and more uncomfortable. But a trial's coming of our faith. And this is for God's eternal purpose. The heat is already on the way up. It's being increased. The fire, I want to tell you, friends, the fire is crucial. Fire is crucial. We may not like it. We may not appreciate it. It may make us uncomfortable. And all of us, in some ways, are experiencing a certain amount of heat in our lives, in our walk, in our faith. We're all experiencing something. We can't always put it into words, Tracy, but we experience it. We experience something of an intensity or a fire or a heat that's come. But, you know, I'm just, I just can't always explain it. But I know I sense it in my spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? You sense the heat of the hour. It's starting to rise. But the fire's crucial. God's a lie on the fire. God's a lie on the fire. Why have I been through so much? God's permitted it for a purpose. Don't lose sight of all of this because God's doing something wonderful. The heat is going to produce a faith, a real faith that has been a rarity today in the church. A faith, a faith that really does move mountains. A faith that really does believe God. A faith that really does lay hands on the sick and they do recover. A faith that really does see the baptism in the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. A real faith. 
Because most of what we have seen of the currency of the kingdom has been a counterfeit. Most of it. That may not sit well with some, but it has. When the world are waiting for the church to stand up, when it's sleeping and when it's in all of the comforts of this life, God's about to put the heat on the church that the church stands up and operates in a faith. The faith of the kingdom. That's why Peter says that the trial of your faith being more precious than that of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and the honor and the glory at the, at the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the fire, two things about the fire. The fire will try us for the faith, but also in 1 Corinthians 3 and 13, it says that every man's work will be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed. By fire. Fire is crucial for the end times because we're going to find out in the end really what was this all about? What life we really lived? How we walked with the Lord? Were we just a Christian in name only? Were we just nodding our head? Were we just calling out the Lord just in trouble but never walk with Him? Oh God, I'm in trouble again. Would you help me? And if you help me, I'll start going to church again. And then two weeks later, we're just away. The fire is going to reveal all of this. Faith is the currency of this kingdom. But this kingdom, in the last days, I believe passionately, is going to operate and trade in this currency. Jesus said, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. Oh God, Lord, give us the gold that's been tried in the fire. The only thing that's going to stand up against this world that we're in, that God has chosen us to be part of in these final moments of time, is a faith in this God and a faith that trades in this kingdom, in Christ, and all the promises of God are yea and amen in Him. They're for me. That's real faith. The fire will increase. But the greatest thing of all about the fire is there's a fourth man that gets in the fire with us. I tell you, it's the most exciting day to be alive. I mean, friends, this morning, this is it. It, it feels like, you know, if I wanted to run, I'd probably run now, as Clendenin used to say. I would run around this whole room, but I know I'd probably do my hip and my knee and my back, but I'll still run. This is the greatest moment that we have. Christ is about to come. We sang it this morning. We lift up our hands. We look up into the heavens. Do we believe what we're singing? He's about to burst through the clouds in all His glory. My God. We're about to see Him. And the fire is going to try us. And the fire is going to reveal what we're all about. What we sang on a Sunday is what we live on a Monday. What we preach on a Sunday morning is who we are on a Monday night when the darkness comes and the horror of darkness comes. We still believe in this God. The fire is going to try it all. God is permitting the fire to be increased. Not Nebuchadnezzar. Not the Antichrist. They're going to rise, but God's letting them rise for a reason because He's going to burst through the clouds. Oh, friends, I'm going to tell you He's going to burst through the clouds. Glory. That's to come is nothing to be compared to the sufferings of this present age. 
the trials of your life, the disappointments, the tears, the weakness, the frailty. We're weak. We're not great men. You're not looking at a great man. You're looking at a weak man. Nobody's great. Jesus is great. We're frail. We feel. We fumble. Our legs get weak in the race. I remember that race. 2018, I think I mentioned it before, the Brownlee brothers in their, I think it was a decathlon or something, two brothers, and they're in, in that final race of maybe 800 meters or I don't know, many miles. But they were brothers, and the brother was away out ahead. And as he burst around the final corner, the camera's on one of the brothers, but his legs started to go. You could see it go, and it was a little bit funny because they were so wobbly, but his legs were starting, but the finishing line was up there. And he was starting to feel. And he knew he was going to fall. And he wasn't going to make it. And then his brother came round the corner and seen him. And he could have passed him. And he could have won the race. But you know what he did when he got up? Here's a believer. Here's a Christian. He got the hold of me. He's got his arm around him. And he says, I'm going to get you home. I'm going to get you home, Brent. See, friends, we want everyone to make it. Listen, we want everyone to make it. There's not one person in this room with everything within me. There's not one of you. We want you to feel. We want you to run for God. We want you to finish well. Maybe your legs are wobbling. Maybe you're weak. But surely to God, you'll not find it in this world. You'll not find it in Zoom. But surely you'll find it in the house of God that someone would come up and say, God, come on, brother. You can make it. You can make it. You can reach that line. You can finish your course. You can hear those words, well done, thy good and thy faithful servant. Oh, friends, this morning, the heat's increasing. Faith is going to be tried. But it's going to come forth to the praise and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ when He appears. Oh, friends, it's exciting to be saved. It's great to be a Christian. Can I tell you, Christian friend, this morning, you have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. Just keep trusting. But the heat's going to rise. But the fourth man is going to get in the fire with us. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together this morning.